all just in bed in our PJs. Hey, I that swear this is my PJ. This is my PJ. Are you ready to master Angular? Oasis Digital offers Angular Bootcamp, a three-day intense workshop class for individuals or teams. They cover Angular 4 and 2 and focus on the skills and knowledge you need for complex, data-rich applications. They also still offer AngularJS for teams supporting older projects. Bring them to your site or send developers to them in St. Louis, San Francisco, New York, DC, and other cities, and online at angularbootcamp.com. Hey everybody, and welcome to another Adventures in Angular show. This week on our panel, we have John Papa. Hello. Oh crap, I forgot to get my coffee. Alyssa Nichol. <laughs> hey guys. Ward Bell. Uh, here I am. Shai Resnick. Hello. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, and this week we have a special guest in his bed, Austin McDaniel. <laughs> oh my god, he totally called you out. The audience can't. <laughs> And, and I botched his name. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. on a roll. <laughs> yeah. Austin What's McDaniel. Up, How's it going, Austin? Good. How are you guys doing? Doing all right. Um, do you want to just introduce yourself since you haven't been on the show before? I know. Unbelievable. Right? Wait, 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 wait. He asked, how are we doing? So let me tell you. First of all, the day started very awful. Okay. Because okay, I needed up. to go. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh so hi everyone my name's Austin McDaniel I um I'm an Angular team member uh I contribute to the material project I'm an Angular air panelist uh I love Angular I have socks that say Angular um I have a wardrobe that is made of Angular clothes uh Angular is pretty awesome and I'm here to talk about Angular today <laughs> He also has an Angular themed comforter on his bed. So that's right. <laughs> and you're a recursive person. You're, you're Austin from Austin. That is correct. Which is recursive. Yeah. If that's the best joke we have today, we're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> that was my. Okay. I'm out. Thank you. Bye bye. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, what I have on the calendar for us to talk about is reducing the boilerplate of Redux and NGRX patterns in Angular. Um, so I know Ward is going to love this episode. Um, well, actually, I am because I've been and John and I have been very busy at doing just that in our own experiments. All right. Well, um, I, I think a good place to start with this is just to explain the problem. I mean, how much boilerplate is there with using Redux and NGRX? in our Angular apps. Ooh, ooh, ah, ah, Sorry, on, just, hold on. I'm going I'm to have a paroxysm here. <laughs> let's, let's, ask, let's ask Austin his opinion of why would you even want to use Redux pattern, first of all? Okay, ooh. that's a great So Redux uh, is a pattern that is, uh, was it, it, it's a library. That, that is also implementing a reflux pattern that was kind of uh, championed by Facebook. And it is basically immutable state containers. And we can use Redux to get like very efficient change detection with these immutable containers. So we no longer have to do dirty checking and things like that. And we can use it to decouple components. Um, it's kind of like a CQRS pattern for the front end. So is the advantage then for for people who haven't used this, uh, like we can just use two-way data binding, et cetera, in Angular today, right? NG model. 
What's the advantage of a developer learning Redux pattern for Angular? Well, you can write some really cool code. <laughs> I know we like our shiny objects. <laughs> to be clear to our audience, um, Ward and I have also been using it recently, but I think it's good to kind of clarify why before we get into the, the hows. Yeah, you don't, you don't have to use NGRX uh, for every application. In fact, you shouldn't use it for every application. It is not a hammer, I would say, by any means. Um, for applications that are like really complex and they have complicated data flows with all kinds of different interconnected components, um, it becomes really efficient. And if you're not using something like NGRX or Redux, you're going to essentially implement something. You're going to implement a state manager in some form or fashion. Um, so, you know, once you get to that point where you kind of see yourself implementing like this global state and like you're trying to, you know, typically what I see people do is like make a service and then put some state in service and then inject that service around. Once you get to that point, so you might want to consider looking at NGRX. Um, it, it can actually help you decouple that a little bit even more than that. And it's a set of best practices and patterns for doing this type of state management. So did you say if you are looking at using a service, you should probably look at using this? Because like, doesn't everybody use, I can't think, well, I guess if there's like a strictly HTML app or something. What I mean by using a service is, right, like um, typically like we use injectable services for like calling HTTP methods and stuff like that. You can also use them for like other things like utility methods and things like that because they're actually dependency injectable containers. Um, you can also store state in those. So once you catch yourself starting to store state in services and things like that, Redux is a good pattern for you to investigate. Yeah, the way I look at it, I agree with you, Austin, is a lot of times we use services just for verbs, for actions, for non-stateful things like go get this, go get that, perform this calculation. Once you start adding properties, nouns to your uh, services, your services become stateful, right? It doesn't mean that's immediately when you have to go to something like this kind of a pattern, but uh, where I would see it useful is like I've written a lot of apps about like customers and orders, and I've had like seven places that the customer data would show up and be manipulated or the order data. Uh, and instead of going and re-getting it every single time and every single page, which is great for demos, you kind of end up leading towards something that'll hang on to that state in the browser. And once you hang on to that state of the customer or the orders, that's when you can implement it yourself, absolutely. But I think the Redux pattern is attractive in that circumstance. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And there's other benefits like the Redux pattern brings to the table. Um, once you start implementing it, right, like there's a huge like ecosystem of like uh, you can back it by IndexedDB. You can set up uh, loggers. You can um, there's enhanced dev tools that you can use to actually like see all the actions that are happening and introspect the diff between those. Um, and then I briefly touched on this uh, a change detection, right? Because these state containers are immutable, um, it actually allows us to do on push change detection instead of like the traditional dirty checking so that we can do a quality checking for change detection and not, not dirty watching all the properties and we can get a higher performance out of it. I also just want to chime in here and let people know we did do hand to hand battle with uh, Jesse Sanders and talk through a lot of how this is implemented and how to use it. 
uh, about four episodes ago. And so, uh, you know, if you're if you're looking for more information on the Redux pattern and NGRX, um, episode 169, where we talked about this with Jesse Sanders, is a great uh, resource as well. Um, That's a good I like point. How you said do battle. That was <laughs> th- there was a bit of that, and and the thing is, is that I, I think we all have different perspectives on how these different uh, tools are used and how they come into play, um, and. You know, I think it's I think it's an important introduction that we've gone through with this, but I also want to make sure that we do get to the kind of the meat of this as far as how do we implement this and how do we add sanity to this whole process if we are going to use NGRX. Yeah, this is a great follow up because we talk a lot about what Redux is and how it works in that other episode. But one of the things that Ward and I hinted at in that episode was that we were working on something that would make it easier, and that uh, after that episode, actually Austin reached out to me on the side and. Tell me what he was doing, which is similar. There's other people who are seeing the same problem with Redux patterns. There's a lot of code. And it doesn't, it's not just like, you know, oh, there's a fixed amount of it. It's every time you add more things to the state, every kind of model you put in there, there's X amount of code that has to get added. So I, th- I think that's kind of what you're trying to address with uh, NGRX Actions. Is that right? Yeah. So um, if we take a look at what we do today, in um, NGRX and Redux, you kind of have like this variety of different things. You have a reducer, um, you have actions, you have type constants, you have selectors, and you have effects, right? So that's five different things. Oh, don't forget um, the action creators too, because everybody likes those. So that's seven. That is true. There, there. There are some action creators. Not everyone uses action creators, though. I don't actually use action creators. Um, and what about selectors but, and dispatchers? Oh, yeah, yeah, we got those. And headaches. <laughs> I get headaches, too. Lions and tigers I'm and bears, hearing, oh my. I'm hearing an agenda word, and, uh, John. <laughs> well, I don't know why. I, I, shy, you were so perceptive. <laughs> To, to be clear, just to, before, because I want to hear like how Austin solved this problem, and I'm sure our listeners do too. I want to make sure everybody understands listening that one of the reasons I, I call out a lot of questions on this and why is I highly encourage everybody, no matter what they hear on this show or at any conference or read on a blog, question it. You know, before you pick up any pattern or any tool, mm-hmm. question it, not in a negative way, but in a try to understand it. Because if you don't question it, you just take what Austin or reward says for granted, you know, that that's gold, you're not going to really get it all. So definitely question what we're saying here. The other thing that I want to just throw in here too is, I mean, if you want to learn the technology, uh, you know, what John's saying, you know, question it. But if, if you think that this is going to solve your problem, make sure that it is solving the problem that you have is the other part of this, right? Um, so don't go pick don't it up like thinking... We don't have. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I, I see but, people do this often enough where it's I, you know what, I think that this, that, and the other are going to go ahead and solve this problem. And then it turns out that, you know what, I found three solutions to a problem that I didn't have, and the actual solution to the thing I'm dealing with is something else. But it's See, what I'm worried hard. about is it's like regex, okay? Like, everybody recognizes the problem with regex, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, you want to do some pattern what? matching regex and placement and stuff like that, and you solve that problem by creating a brand new problem, so you have two problems. <laughs> I just had an epiphany. Hold on. Regex, Redux, Regex, Redux. Very similar. <laughs> the same letters. Yeah, right, so but let's get back. As cool. So the the way 
the way I, I see it, like, I think there is a gap. There is a big gap in the state management area uh, in the recent years in front-end development. And I think that... Depends on who like, you ask. <laughs> Um, you know, I think that the, the, the Redux pattern and in the form of NGRX and other like forms uh, and Mobix in, in the React world, um, they took off because there was a gap because nobody actually said, um, Hey, here's a good way to cover most of the chaos in your app. And actually sure, there is shy. Nobody Years ago, I introduced Breeze to this community. I know. I, I was. I was about. I was about to mention uh, solutions like Breeze, and I think like you know, there, there's. We can do another episode on that, right? But there's like the the thing with now with Angular, everybody are using observables, right? And how do you manage the chaos there, right? To yep. the synchronization between stuff, and so I think that's the gap that uh, like Redux offered like the promise of a simple solution and to a very, very, very big and chaotic problem. And one of the, also uh, the, the problem I saw with it was the boilerplate code, like the amount of code you need to write and to manage and all the strings, names and the, you know, um, namespacing for actions and all that stuff. And that's why I'm also super curious to hear about your solution, Austin, because I think it's it's solving the problem in the problem solver, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. So, so it's interesting that you, you you talk about the gap there. So, when I started using Redux um, and, and GRX for that matter, um, I like started using it, and I was like. I, you know, I started questioning it at first, and then I was just like, okay, I see the thing that it's trying to solve, and so let's just move forward with it, right? And we'll figure out how to make it better later. And the more I played with it, the more I was like, there's got to be a better way. Like, this is driving me bonkers, right? Um, so I actually tweeted that I'm going to make my own store system. Like, I'm just going to, like, go and, you know, do some black magic or whatever. So I spent about two weeks over Christmas vacation uh, just trying to write an API. I didn't even write code. Just trying to write an API that would solve some of the problems that I was dealing with. And every time I thought I had, like, something clever, right, like, I would show it to someone and be like, what about this case? And then I would come up with a solution for that. And they'd be like, well, you broke this other case. And that just kept happening and happening and happening. And what happened was I went round and round about, and I eventually ended up and had a little more appreciation for Redux after I got done with that process. Um, so like the big thing about Redux to me is the, the way that you decouple things um, and, and I mentioned this earlier, it's kind of like a CQRS pattern. Um, and for you guys that might not know what that is, that's command query separation. Um, and the command is the action. So I'm emitting a command. I'm saying like, go and, you know, set the user, right? And the query would be like the selector. And the uh, selector would be like querying that from the actual store and bringing it back to my UI and hydrating my view there. 
And so that is really powerful because now I don't actually have to like couple anything together. I'm just issuing commands. And that's very natural for things like JavaScript because Node is an event-oriented architecture, right? Like uh, actions, like click actions and things like that. Those are events that bubble. And so Redux kind of falls into that emitting an event and then Wait. listening to that event. Let me stop you for a second because I think uh, after like researching uh, a lot about CQRS, um, I think the like it's it's worth pointing that the benefit I think in CQRS like systems is that you get the auditing of the the your current state of your data. So you can get like because you separate the 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 commands right or the actions so you can like trace how your data got into the state it's currently in and for like stuff like you know when you want to uh, um, figure out what went went wrong or to reproduce you know your data and stuff like that that's where it shines so secrets actually come from right server side more like mm -hmm. the, you know for large scale systems um, but it's worth mentioning, I think that in terms of like the client side, th this is like the Redux tools and the NGRX tools and all that stuff. The promise of, Hey, if the client had a problem using this separation and by recording all the actions, we can reproduce, uh, his or her steps and figure out how to debug it better. There's another point of view to the whole auditing story and you can probably achieve it with other solutions, but I think this is the benefit. I think I see at least for CQRS like systems and stuff like that. Yeah. And as I was doing this research, um, I looked at like, okay, how can we get rid of actions, right? Like if we can get rid of actions, we can clean, clean up a lot of stuff. Well, once you get rid of actions, you start coupling things. And then you also kind of lose that like ability to do that like middleware between your stuff. Well, then I was like, okay, I could do something like aspect oriented programming where I could like uh, insert things around the beginning and the end of those functions and, and still kind of achieve that. And then I'm like, well, I'm still coupling and things like that. So I ended up back at, you know, where I was at uh, essentially when I started this, but one thing that I noticed, um, well, actually, I noticed a couple of things, right? So if I'm going to go back to the drawing board and I'm going to look at Redux again, like what are some of the things that like we can look at and we can reduce? Play on words there. Um, uh, what are some things that we can like get rid of? Well, typically in NGRX, right? Like you're passing around type constants and that's how you're like figuring out where you know, you know, what action fired what action, right? Like, when do I listen and how do I emit? Like, we're passing around those types. Well, typically in an NGRX application, uh, and not everyone does this, but most people use classes that are FSA compliant. And I forgot what FSA means, but um, people can Google it. Uh, that are um, compliant with that pattern with a payload and a type and an error and meta. And they have these classes and they just create new classes. So I was like, okay, if we have the class already, why do we need the type? 
we can introspect the class. So what I did was I made a decorator that instead of, um, you know, having a, uh, uh, a big like switch statement and things like that. Well, that's another thing. I hate the switch statements. I don't know. Amen. I <laughs> hate the switch statements. And so um, there's actually a couple libraries out there that can help you get rid of switch statements for like Redux, just plain Jane Redux. And those are called like Redux Act and Redux Actions. And they kind of do these like uh, they make objects, and but they're still using the um, the string constants. So I'm like, OK, circling back to the actions now with the classes, we've got the class. We can get rid of string constants and just type on the class. So I made a uh, decorator that was an action decorator, and you give it the class. Now, what that does is now I no longer have to like have a switch statement and say the type and then pass in all the types and things like that. Like my method will just get invoked when Redux invokes that class. And so that gets rid of passing string constants around everywhere, um, which is one of the like big complaints that I have. Applause. Applause well, now. So you're right. You know, so when I, when I first started doing the Redux pattern with Angular, then GRX, obviously the boilerplate hit me. But then I started trying to figure out how do we, like what parts of it are bothering me? Like I understood the reason for when you create, you create these actions you have to have an action and you have to have like a constant of some kind or a string to like identify them. And it became a pattern that a lot of people adopt where I think it's with part you're addressing is to have some kind of a uh, action creator that would help you create this re this boilerplate code. But it wasn't actually reducing the code by doing this. It was about the same amount. It just felt easier to create them, I think. Um, mm -hmm. But if there's a way to, what really got out of hand for me was like just having like heroes and villains is an app that I wrote with this. For every hero, I had, you know, the CRUD actions. And then I had things like searching them and finding one, finding many. And you end up with all these different variants. And actions sometimes have a, uh, a beginning and an end, I call it. Like, go get my data. And then there's the go get my data completed. So you ended up with like 10 to 15 of these actions for every model you have. And it kind of gets... Which keep crazy. repeating. Which keep yeah. repeating. So it sounds like you found a way to kind of make that a little bit uh, cleaner, Austin. Is that right? Yeah. And I'm not getting rid of the actions. You still need to create the actions and things like that. So you still have to create those actions. But one of the big things that aggravated me was, okay, I'm creating these actions, but the actions already know the type. So why can't I just pass the action why do i need to pass that type around everywhere along with the action and the way that like you do it in ngrx is like your actions are like classes that implement the action interface and they have a type and a payload and things like that so if we can actually get rid of the string constant that's the type that i'm passing around everywhere and just pass that action class which i'm already passing half the time now i've gotten rid of um, I, I've gotten rid of a fair amount of like strings that were just rolling around there. So replace uh, strings with symbols, basically, sort of. Yeah. And you, well, the thing is, you've already created the symbols. So why not use those? Mm -hmm. right? The symbols are already there. So why not use the symbols? 
Yeah. So that's like the first thing that I did. Get rid of string constants, like just make an action that got down some boilerplate. Another thing that I mentioned earlier was um, when in our reducers, like I made those a class because switch statements. Oh, my gosh. Um, uh, another thing that I noticed is the spreads. You're doing spreads or like cloning objects and things like that, or maybe you're mu using immutable JS. You're doing those things everywhere, right? Like in every reducer, I'm always spreading, right? And um, I'm always like creating clones of my objects and I have to do this manually. Well, in this decorator, what I did was I said, okay, well, we still need to handle the case where, you know, maybe someone doesn't want to clone the object. But if you're just mutating a top level attribute on the object, we can handle that spread for you automatically. So in the decorator, uh, when that action is invoked, it says, um, you know, did you return something? If you didn't return something, then I'm going to inspect your state object and I'm going to determine whether it's an array or an object. And based on that, I'm automatically going to do that spread for you and return the state. So now I just got rid of all the spreads that I was having to do uh, throughout my reducer. So now literally, if I want to like, you know, have an action, I literally just say action decorator and maybe like it's a cooking pizza action. And I say state.cooking equal true. That's all I have to do. I don't have to return it. I don't have to spread it. I don't have to switch on the type or anything like that. And it returns me. It's going to bring me back that new state. So that's that's like the final piece. Um, there are some other things that you can do. Um, but once you start getting into like trying to like really make it where like all the boilerplate of like actions and things like that um, uh, are kind of encapsulated, you start to kind of start coupling things and making a lot of assumptions about your data flow. And so I wanted to try to keep this project um, as like portable and light as possible and then layer on those other pieces as you know the community you know john you mentioned you were doing something like that um and I, as i experiment and layer those pieces on top of this and so another thing that's like key for the adoption of these frameworks like people have already got redux in their system and they're already using it this library that i created called ngrx actions literally returns the exact same reducer function that you're already using so to adopt it, literally npm install, and you can just add a new reducer. You can convert an existing one. You don't have to convert your entire app. You don't have to have any black magic for NGRX to be able to like be able to understand these things. Like you literally just say, create my reducer and pass it a class. And then you have, you know, you're reducing your string constants that you're passing around everywhere. Um, and you're reducing your spreads, which are two of the big pain points that I saw that as I was developing these things that I kept repeating over and over and they were consistent no matter what type of data, action, et cetera, that, et cetera, that I was doing. First of all, good job for doing something to reduce the boilerplate, uh, which is kind of super needed. 
Um, actually, it looks cool. I, I look, I'm going through the GitHub readme now. But I, I do see spreads, so it's probably not updated. Well, um, there, I, I do want to show in my, in my document, I do want to show uh, that you do need to do spreads for deeply nested objects, right? Like, I'm not going to try to, like, have this super smart, like, immutable JS type system going on. I don't want to go that far. But if you're just mutating top level attributes, which is what the majority of us do, then you can just set those directly. You can mutate that state and it will handle cloning that object for you. Mm, nice. So, John and Ward, how does it compare to your efforts in trying to come up with something similar or sort of? No? Well, it's, it's interesting. Uh, Austin and I have had a few short chats about the different approaches. I think one of the things that Austin did was something early on that Ward and I thought about. We bounced a bunch of ideas around. And immediately when you start going down the Redux pattern, you realize all the boilerplate. Everybody talks about that. Some people it bothers them, some people it doesn't. Uh, it bothered us because we all did something about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> then the next step is how do you get rid of some of that boilerplate? And one of those steps is like Austin's done in his library. If it, if I'm looking at the GitHub repo, I'm putting links in our show notes is reducing a lot of the uh, boilerplate by using uh, helper functions and utilities and things like that. So that's that's one approach that you can use, and that definitely helps a ton of it and reduces a lot of the code. Uh, Ward and I talked about it, and we decided to go a different direction. And some of this was driven through Ward's experience, and I'll speak for him for a sec, let him chime in. Ward um, is a... Ward, I don't want to say he doesn't develop applications because he, he and his company do, but they're also very skilled at developing frameworks. So Ward and I were talking quite a bit, and I kept on coming up with ideas like, hey, what if we had a way to just say, look, it's a, uh, it's a hero, it's a customer, it's a whatever. And then somehow we generated uh, classes that would help like reduce that boilerplate. And he's like, well, you know, if we know the type, and we make certain assumptions through, um, through setting up certain configurations, maybe we can just get rid of all that code. And I said, hmm. That'd be amazing if we could. So we spent, I don't know, five weeks spending way more time than we should have, uh, <laughs> late November, early December, kind of going through all <laughs> this. And we ended up with something that was uh, around the same time as Austin and I were talking that we call NGRX data for now. And it effectively, you just tell it the type of thing you want and makes assumptions about your models, which you can then change. Uh, we're working on what those are. And then it just basically, you just say, look, I want a customer. And the actions are already created for you. The reducers already exist. There's already effects. Everything's just there. You also get dispatchers and things. Uh, and if you want to extend it, there's a way where you can extend those as well. Uh, the difference in approaches is that the approach that Austin took, which is my original approach too, is it seems like it's more of a, hey, I just want help kind of using this pattern. This will reduce my code. The approach that Ward and I ended up taking was a little more... Um, I would say self-contained. It's almost like a black box in some ways because it gives you a lot of things for free, but you also have to be willing to buy into the, the black box approach of, I have a, I have a set of models, this is the way they're going to work. And I think, word, correct me if I'm wrong, there's about eight or nine con convention-based configurations that we uh, assume that you have along the way. Like, what's the ID of your models? Like, what's the name of that property? 
um, you're going to have a type somewhere in your app so we can say it's a type of customer, for example, or a type of order. Um, there's going to be a API that you're going to have a consistent naming convention for the backend APIs to go get them with effects, like API slash customers, for example. Uh, and so there's certain things, and there's defaults that we use, and then there's things you can override. Is that kind of how you see it to work? This episode is sponsored by Linode. Linode is offering listeners of this podcast a $20 credit, which is good for four free months at their lowest plan. Their plans start at one gigabyte of RAM for $5 a month. You can get your servers in any of their 10 data centers, and their high memory plans start at 16 gigabytes. Get a server running in under a minute. They do hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups, node balancers, long view, etc., VMs for full control, running Docker containers, encrypted disks, VPNs, etc. You can run a private Git server. They provide native SSD storage, 200 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors. They have 24-7 friendly support, even on holidays, and a seven-day money-back guaranteed. So go check them out at linode.com slash adventures in Angular. Yeah, I, I think for one, that we what we did is we carved out some of the space that is the most troublesome for people, which is the management of persistent data entities. We didn't try and do cover all the scenarios in which you would want to manage state in an application. We deliberately said that the thing that we wanted to deal with is the data that people store in databases and that they tend to think of those as entities. All right, customers, orders, and so forth. And so we're not trying to solve you know all the possible state kinds of management that you could do. But what we've consistently found is that the place that we, or the thing that was driving people crazy is if they had an application with like a hundred entities in it, which is not untypical of an enterprise. It was such a parts explosion. It was impossible to follow the Redux pattern that way. And yet we know that interacting with entities is pretty much the same, like what you do with a customer and what you do with an order and what you do with a product. I mean, it's, it's the same thing over and over again. This is a classic ORM entity data management problem. And so we looked at it and said, well, you know, how do you, how do people like to approach that? They like to say, I show you the type, you figure it out. You give me some services, you know, uh, there should be a standard service that deals with these things. And I call add, remove, delete, whatever it is. And I do it, deal with it in the typical service manner that I'm used to. Um, what if we with, could do that and with, it was Redux under the hood? With relations and... Uh, All right, so relations are a future. It's really hard to get yeah. relations right. Yeah. All right? Uh, I think I, I know how... <laughs> are we talking about our personal life? We are. <laughs> we are. <laughs> exactly. This is our Me Too moment. <laughs> we're, we're, all, we're all developers here. You know, we're socially... Uh... <laughs> Challenge, so yes. <laughs> but let's face it, nothing, you know, in other words, you can search, go ahead and, and search the web for Redux dealing with um, nested, with, with relational uh, object graphs, and you will find very, very little because everybody blows up on it. All right. Uh, I mean, I've been looking. I can't find, I'm not just talking about NGRX land, I'm talking about Redux land. Anybody who's trying to deal with complex uh, uh, entity models in which one thing refers to another, refers to another, refers to another, it's like like nobody ever saw that problem before in Redux. It's like a grand silence. 
And I invite our listeners to come back and tell me I'm wrong and show me the links where somebody has a comprehensive solution to that. The clo- the, you hear nothing. The only thing you hear is uh, that I hear, so tell me I'm wrong, is that one ought to normalize one's data so that the, the store looks like a normalized database. Well, thank you very much. But how does one thing reach another? Just silence. It's a deafening silence. All right. So, so Shai, when you ask that question, I say, yeah, good on you, brother. Um, uh, and I think that this pattern here, there, there hasn't been an answer for it. But I, do I see a way out? I do believe so, but it's going to be hard. So anyway, John and I decided we're not going to try and wrestle that one down. Why don't we just do like the basic thing? Like, let's suppose we just wanted to be able to manage a set of entities and forget for the moment that they might actually want to navigate to each other. Yeah, so and it's like it's like it's like Austin Austin said that you know um, you start with one thing and then what about that use case and that use case and and being like you know yourself uh, Ward when you deal de- you're dealing with this problem for so many years like and building like a framework around this problem and covering all the use cases so you know how hard. Is it, is it is to cover that, and I, I, I'm curious, Austin, did you build your library around the same problem, like dealing with entities and stuff like that, like John and and Ward did? I actually tinkered with an approach like they uh, they did as well, and what I found was, uh, and working with like a customer, uh, multiple customers firsthand, in doing this is everyone's kind of data structure and the way that they do IDs and things like that, you don't always have control of that type of stuff. And the issue that I hit with that was that, yeah, I can do this, but I have to make a lot of assumptions and it's really hard to get it like super generic. And at the point where I made it super generic, you kind of circled back around, right? Like you're having to define a bunch of stuff over and over again. And it's like the payoff. So um, I've actually been talking to John and he's been sharing some of this, some of the work that they've got, they've been doing. And I'm really excited to see how that turns out. Funnily enough, um, yesterday on Angular Air, which I'm a panelist on, um, we had Mike Ryan and Brandon on the show. And they introduced um, something that was like brand new. They had never talked about before. And I believe they're calling it generators or something like that. And what you can do is you can actually, you know, define a type in a file in your actions file, and it will automatically generate your actions for you automatically um, and your reducers as well. Um, and so, I got to tell you, I've talked to them about this and I just think, man, we went through this in ORM land too. So, so uh, this this is one of the things that drives me crazy is that I have in fact been dealing in this space forever, and so everybody is reproducing the same mistakes that we made and discarded in the past. And one of the grand mistakes is to create generators, code generators, especially one directional code generators. Like they spit it out, and then that's it. You know, you don't go back and visit again because if somebody modifies it, it's all over. So the thing that I I, I hear it. And I see, you know, um, the efforts to make not only code generators, but but to um, what are those things in the CLI? Uh, I can't remember the word for schematics. it. Schematics. Right. 
And and like I say, wow, okay, you're going to automate something that spits out thousands of files, uh, code, lots of code that I'm now going to have to maintain in future. Well, let me toss another idea. That's just dead. That's just dead to me, that whole method, that whole approach. Ward, if you add, let's say I generate all that code. This is something that comes up a lot when I work with large enterprises. The more code you have, the harder it is to shrink and minify that code as well and deliver it to the web properly. So if there's ways to create that code such that why have in a 500 model system, why have, I don't know, 20 actions per model, <laughs> you know, gets it gets insane, right? Austin, all the stuff that you got, you end up with lots of megs of JavaScript that effectively can't be reduced down to 2K. But if you have something that will, uh, one of those that can basically serve all 500 models, then the fixed cost is very easy. It's, you know, it's in the K. And then only thing you're adding is any customizations you make to it. That's where that's where we that's exactly the direction we're going. Any anything any as soon as you see code generation, run for the hills. That's my just general <laughs> general advice. So my question for you is if you're gonna do all this black magic, are you gonna wrap in GRX or are you guys gonna roll your own state manager? We're riding right on top as a matter of fact, we're riding on top of something else that they did that's really good, yeah. which is NGRX entity. Uh, which is a step in this direction. What it does is, again, it's focused on this single problem. It's not It's not everything you might do in terms of state management. It's focused on the problem of entities, of persistent entities, data you want to store in a database that has a consistent shape. And let's just uh, that NGRX entities, when we say they, we're talking about the creators of NGRX created NGRX entities for this exact purpose. Exactly. And, and that's Mike and uh, Mike Ryan and, and, and Brian, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Brandon, whom you had on. And um, uh, and they have the sort of the baseline reducer and all this other stuff, and that's that um, that I liked a lot. So we, in our first round, we tried to go with nothing, just sitting on top of NGRX, and now we're sitting on top of NGRX entity. So um, I like that. Um, what we're what we're striving for though is something that lets the developer. Um, uh, work with data the way they are used to working with data, uh, you know, work with the back end the way they're used to working with it, but still under the hood, it's NGRX. We're not reinventing the store. We're not reinventing. We're using uh, uh, actions and events and all that stuff. Why? So the Redux tools Lord. work. Why? Why? Why basing it on top? I'm trying to play devil's advocate. Why? Why placing it on top of NGRX? Like what? Why? Well, um, <laughs> that's such a great, that's just a killer question. He wants to use the, bu- he wants to have the buzzword that it's on. The buzzword. That's my assumption. All right. Well, you know, because it's an exploration. It's something that John and I are actually exploring. All right. Like Wait, I, I beat my head against really- the world, uh, against the wall, trying to teach BreezeJS. Uh, you know, because people just say, no, it's got, it can't be, it has to be immutable and all this other stuff. By the way, I could deal with the, the observability part is easy, but that, that's a red herring. But, but the, you know, they just say, you know, that's the old school way. All right. So what the heck, what can we do that would be, um, anyway, what, what can we do <laughs> that's using NGRX? Can we actually make sense out of this? Because, 
uh, maybe there's something there. And so John and I are looking to see if it's something there. So let's get back, though. Oh, okay. We, we should get back to Austin here because yeah. I, um, to differentiate, you know, John and I carved out our own problem and said, let's make it look like this. But but from what I can tell, Austin, what you're trying to say is if I want to be an NGRX developer, how can I and, and cover any kind of application state? How can I make interacting with NGRX easier than it would be if I just used it straight out of the box? And that's what you're doing with your decorators and stuff like that. Is that about right? Yeah. And you know what? The code turned out insanely simple. It's it's about 100 lines of code. Um, and the amount of code that it can help you reduce is is pretty powerful, I feel like. Um, and, and what it ended up being is just a couple decorators, which just attach some metadata. And then when you want to create a reducer, you just call a function that reads out that metadata and invokes your functions for you. Um, and I actually have a blog article that um, I'll share with you guys at the end of the post that kind of walks through ha- actually under the hood how it kind of works. And it, it's pretty simple. Um, I kind of show you some like high level of like, okay, here's what we're doing. Here's how we get the type and things like that. And yeah, I, I didn't want to... I wanted to make it super flexible and, and not really try to like, uh, you know, introduce a whole new paradigm or, or anything like that. But, you know, if you're working with Redux and you, you know, you see these patterns and, you know, you, you're not ready to switch to a radically new system that's a black box, right? You still want to kind of use Redux the way it is and, and, and that type of thing. You can drop this into your application in a matter of minutes and, um, and start taking advantage of, you know, the things that it can help you reduce. First, uh, first of all, I appreciate the work that you've done. I, uh, look around the code and looks very, very simple. And uh, like, if you want to browse around the source code, it's, it's kind of tiny and nice. Uh, another question I had is about a uh, presentation state. So, you know, you keep all your state right as normalized, like, you know, um, all your data and stuff like that. But what about those things like stuff that are, uh, component based state that you want to keep, which panel is opened or which like item is selected or stuff like that, which is not, which need to be persisted, you know, between, um, pages and, um, do you keep that also in like, you know, um, the reducers and did you find like a good way to do that as well for like presentation state stuff? Um, you know, I really didn't try to like talk to, or, you know, address like the, the, uh, specific implementation I wanted to try to address from a broader perspective. How can we reduce some of the boilerplate? So like the specific things, like I got into it and, you know, I, I kept writing things and then I would be like, okay, that doesn't work. Um, because I would like try it on multiple projects that I was working on and I, I could just never find like a one fits all type thing. And so I kind of digress back to this. Let's look at this generic approach and let's see how, you know, we can take some of the pain away. It doesn't take all the pain away. Um, it, it, you still have to make actions, um, but the way in which you make your reducers and you type off your actions and things like that, they're all pretty small. 
Another thing I didn't talk about um, was actually selectors. Uh, in the library, I actually have a decorator for selectors as well. So I would find myself like creating a selector and passing it around all the time. And then in my constructor, I would say this.store.select and then pass my selector. Well, I'm like, okay, we've got decorators. We're already using decorators in a lot of stuff. Like that's the angular way. I feel like, like everyone's got decorators. Um, let's, let's, uh, let's create a decorator for selects as well. And so, um, I did that too. So it can kind of get rid of some of that, um, selector logic that you're passing around. And then you're saying this.store.select and things like that as well, with just a simple decorator. But it's still a string, right? Or it can be. You, um, so for me, I like the string. Uh, there's some critics that are like, that's not type safe. And I'm like, well, your string constants could break just as easily. But okay. okay. <laughs> um, it doesn't mean that it, it should be like both should not be strings, I think. But uh, yeah. Exactly. You got to have something, right? Um, you don't actually have to use a string. It can imply the name based on the uh, uh, member property. variable name that you find, based on the property name. Uh, and you can also still pass it a normal select, which is the beauty of it. You don't have to you don't have to use the string you don't have to use the implied naming you can still pass it your normal select so if you are already have these selects everywhere and you just want to get rid of this.store.select um with a decorator you can do that as well nice so do you have any metric for what you're reducing in other words if you compare after you do all this stuff austin and then you say okay wow you know if i did it hit the vanilla way it's this much stuff and after i switch to the world of decorators it's that much stuff what's the you know do, do you have any metric on that at all um in terms of like lines of code metric or something like that I well, don't. Some, something that makes me feel like like how do i know i'm actually ending up where you know uh, you know, in in, uh, in a reduced boilerplate direction. Yeah, um, I actually wrote a blog article where I take uh, a a um, action selector store uh, reducer and effects, and then I convert that to this new approach. And you can compare side by side in that blog article, kind of what the net effect is. You know, you're getting rid of some interfaces, you're getting rid of some string constants, you're getting rid of some places where you're having to do this.store.select, you're getting rid of uh, some places where you're having to use spreads, where you're just mutating simple properties. So there's there's a couple items that I just, you know, uh, rambled off there um, that, that are kind of the takeaways from this. Uh, tell me, uh, I'm a little confused as I quickly look at it. Where, where does the mutation take place? Like, like suppose I'm on a form, right? And, uh, you know, we change the person's name from Shy to Sally um, because he's thinking about making that move himself. Hey, don't tell everyone. <laughs> so he wants to be called Sally now. And um, so you make so that you type Sally into the form. And where does it go? Where does the mutation take place that you're hiding? Does it take place when you're producing the action? Um, um, when it runs through the reducer. So um, the action, you emit the action like 
Shy has a new name action, right? And the reducer picks up that action through my decorator, right? I've got a decorator. It says, okay, I identified this action. This is the function I want to run. And it says, when you get done with that, if you didn't return to me a state, I'm going to assume that you want me to clone the state yourself, myself. So then I say, automatically, I say, okay, if it's an array, then, you know, make a new array with the items in it. Or if it's a new object, then spread the properties onto a new object, clone the object. And at that point, before it's returned back from the reducer to the store, that's where that black magic happens. So usually the reducer is, um, okay, so reducer is just a, pure, a function that's going to update Something's going to consume it and update the store. And you're sitting yourself somewhere, a wrapper around the reducer? Is that Yeah, the idea? essentially, I've got hooks before the reducer is invoked and hooks after the reducer is action is completed. Gotcha. So you're, you're doing what they call, you're writing what they call a meta-reducer. Yeah, essentially. It's, it's kind of a meta-reducer. Um... Yeah, and, and the good thing about it is because it actually returns the same API that um, NGRX uh, expects, it generates that reducer for you, you can still use higher order reducers, you can still combine reducers and all that type of stuff with this library. And so you still get all the benefits of that ecosystem that they have out there um, and the benefits of reducing the boilerplate. I still write a reducer, though, right? I still have to write that? You still have to write a class with some actions that have methods that mutate your state, yes. Okay, but I'm not actually writing a reducer function. That's correct. I see, and that's how you're getting away from the switch statement, because you're you're going to percolate it through and... Uh, somehow, you're going to be doing... You know, when the action comes flowing through, you're going to... You're going to do what the switch statement would do and redirect it to the right pro process of the action. Is that the way, is that what you're saying? Is that what's happening? I'm trying to get a feel for what how this changes the way I think when I'm doing this stuff. So you're getting rid of the switch statement because your decorator is doing the redirection of the action to the right place in the in a normal reducer. Is that is that what you're doing? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, I kind of kind of see it. I'm going to have to look at it to to, to get it out. Let's, let's bring this let's bring this home a little. I, I think what we're, what we're all saying is that Redux is still a very interesting pattern, and that Austin and Ward and I especially have found. I think Shy has also agreed that it's a lot of boilerplate out of the box to do it, and we all wish there was a a way we could do it without all that extra overhead of the code. Because the more code you write, quite frankly, the more opportunity you have for bugs. Right, you're making mistakes. <laughs> Or debugging problems. Or wait, 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 wait. You, you've uh, been away when I asked Ward that, but I asked Ward before <laughs> why, why basing it of uh, on NGRX, John? Why did we base it on NGRX? Yeah. Well, I think the NGRX library is a good implementation of Redux pattern. From what I've seen, it seems to follow what Redux pattern kind of shows you do. Yeah, but the Creole question is, why are we bothering? You know, why don't we just do it the way we always did? It? Ah, yeah. So why even bother with Redux pattern at all? 
that is the initial question we hit though, right? Like if you don't have these stateful problems, don't deal with it. If you do have stateful problems, like I told Ward when we first started this, quite frankly, look, I'm going to go down this road because that's just the kind of guy I am. I like, to, I like to explore everything. Well, I've written apps for very large companies that, you know, serve millions of users and I've never had to do the Redux pattern. You know, I've just used services the way we talked about in the beginning. And I'll list the hit on. Uh, was it easy? No, it wasn't. And what really ended up happening is in every app, we had a slightly different way to implement it. So I do think there's value in a stateful pattern that you could reproduce, but I'm not willing to do it personally if I have to add a million lines of code every time I do something, which is really what Redux pattern felt like in Angular to me until we came up with these ideas, which now, and we'll do a show on this later, uh, the way that Warden I've got it, you add 20 lines of code and you're done. And that's for all the models that you have in your app, which is cool. Every additional model I think you literally add one line of code, uh, which is nice. And I, that's I, what I'm looking for. So, first of all, great answer. Uh, I, I can add to it that I never saw the... I had this like a similar experience to you where I didn't feel the need to add the boilerplate because I've been through that in like my flash and flex years doing like, you know, using frameworks that looked like that and having having problem with that but the one like the first time I, I i saw value in that when i coded a real-time application and like with updates from multiple places and that's where i saw uh, a, a, a big value for the redux pattern in terms of like um clearing out the chaos like because i i can follow like the the path of the data so that's that just I, I try to answer my own question there. But yeah, that was my question. Thanks. Yeah, and I, I think there's there's lots of ways to skin this cat. And what I'm excited about is it's not just Austin and then Ward and I. There's other people trying to do the same kind of a thing. I do believe that this pattern is a uh, very valuable pattern, but whether or not we can tackle this issue of, you know, how do you get rid of all the boilerplate code in a good way or not is what's going to prove in the long run if this pattern sticks around and angle the world. That's my opinion. Agree. And, you know, we aren't the first ones to stumble into this. Uh, we've been hearing about CQRS. There, you know, CQRS has been around a long time. CQRS plus event sourcing. And uh, it was the... It was the hotness. It was definitely the hotness several years ago in serverland. And we were just like with uh, the Redux pattern. We were all told that we were, we've been doing it wrong all along. And really CQRS plus event sourcing is the answer. Uh, and so uh, the, the fascinating thing is that it, it has the same problem. The, the, the amount of um, parts and pieces that you have to deal with and code for is um, never ending. It's large and never ending. It, ne it never settles into a routine. And there, for all these years, CQRS was talked about, but it never became dominant. It, it serves very well for the kinds of things, Shai, you were talking about. Which, which is when you have lots of small objects flying at you really fast and coming from all directions and you somehow have to, to watch all of them and, and keep it going. Um, but for standard CRUD enterprise apps, um, it has, it has, it has all of this, um, marketing appeal and has never taken off. 
And I just wonder whether, you know, what's interesting here is that now that we're trying to do those same kinds of things on the front end in the browser, uh, we're going through the same cycle of should I follow a CQRF pattern or should I follow more traditional patterns? And I just think we have to see how it all plays out. I'd love to do a show in the future. Maybe have Austin back, maybe get Brandon Roberts on too to talk about, okay, let's say you've adopted this pattern in Angular. And you've chosen one of these solutions or not. Either way, how do you still deal with the fact that you have to know what reducers and effects and actions and all these things are? And do you really have to use reactive forms with it if you do that? Does anything else change about how you code? I'll leave that as a cliffhanger. Ooh, that is that is big, Judge. Nice. You got me curious now, too. <laughs> <laughs> Will you come back and talk to us about it, Austin? Oh, yeah. Anytime. All right, cool. All right. Hey, by the way, I want to say I want to add on to the kudos to sorry, I want to add on to the kudos with Austin to say uh, I think it's great the fact that you saw a problem uh, that you identified and you solved it by not only creating an open source project in your own demos, but also sharing it with blog posts and starting talking about it. This is to me is the um, this is the identification of a, of a great open source community contributor. So kudos to you. Yep, I'm all for it. Thank you guys very much. Yeah, I. No, I know everyone is probably stumbling around these same problems and like, how do we solve this? And, you know, I really enjoy sharing my experiences um, that I stumble upon, you know, with other people. And I actually learn a lot. Like, um, you know, when I first introduced this library, I had a couple of really good PRs of types, how to do some like types and stuff that I had no idea how to do. And so I encourage like anyone that, you know, is like doing this type of stuff or just in general, like with open source, you're going to contribute to the community, but you're also going to learn quite a lot yourself. Yep. Don't be shy. Put it out there. It could be your Hey, scary. Hey, out there. don't be, don't be Sally. <laughs> <laughs> Sally. How you uh, feeling, Sally? I'm good. <laughs> good old shy. <laughs> All right. I think we're at a good place to break and go to picks. Um, but before yeah. we do that, Austin, if people want to see what you're doing these days or follow this project, what are the best places to do that? Yeah, follow me on Twitter. Um, I, I'm trying to beat John Papa on followers. So, oh, <laughs> check me out on uh, Twitter. Good uh, luck. Yeah, <laughs> no. Uh, my uh, Twitter handle is A M C D E N L. Um, that's the same handle for my GitHub and my website. Um, where I post blog articles and my medium. Um, I like often, uh, I, I'm not the guy that's going to like write a 20 page, like how change detection works type of thing. I'm more the kind of guy that's like, okay, I saw something cool I did today and I just want to share it with everyone. So it's like a good couple minute read of just different tidbits that I, uh, that I find throughout my day and want to share with people. So, um, and the same with the projects as I work on projects for, different people you know i see these things um you know one of the big projects that um i built is ngx data table and i helped architect ngx charts and, and those are some really big projects that are really getting used in the community i'm really excited about where they've gone and and um feedback that i've gotten so far and the things that i've learned so check those projects out check me out on twitter uh, follow me on github etc how how do you how do you pronounce your nickname which one? I'm I'm ca I'm cardinal I'm cardinal. It's just my it's just like my name, 
right? Like a McDaniel is like was already taken. So I'm like, let's just shorten it. We'll just like <laughs> AMCDNL. Like so much easier to type. It's still better than my father-in-law who signed up for Twitter this week and he didn't change the <laughs> pre-filled handle. So he's like Dan two three five six eight seven. And I was like, uh, people are gonna think you're a bot. And he's like, What? I'm like, Yeah. So it's still better. <laughs> That's what his mother named him. <laughs> Forget Sally. I'm changing to shy. One zero two. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Alrighty. Well, let's go ahead and do some picks. Don't wait for users to report problems. Raygun gives you complete visibility on errors, crashes, and performance problems affecting your end users. You can replicate issues in seconds rather than digging through log files and having to rely on users to report errors or crashes. Raygun gives you a window into how users are really experiencing your software applications. It has full support for JavaScript and all other major languages and platforms. It takes less than 10 minutes to set up, and you can get a free 14-day trial by going to raygun.com and signing up today. Ward, do you want to start us with picks? Silence. Usually that's a <laughs> mute button issue. I can or go. Is it? I got to run if you don't mind. All right, John, what are your picks? Hey, glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> I have two. My first one is I've used this awesome open source project called uh, NGX Charts, which Austin is one of the authors of. Uh, it's fantastic. It's basically Angular-based charts, and he's been good enough to keep it up to date with the uh, varying changes. I've used it several times. Uh, it's pretty cool. Um, my favorite feature is that when AOT stuff breaks in it, uh, he fixes it quick. So <laughs> it's Yay! been AOT. I do appreciate that, Austin. Thank you. Yeah, my nice. pleasure. The second pick I have is uh, my good buddies here, my team at Microsoft, because I'm a developer advocate there, were created a new web show. It's called Five Things, and it was released today, January 17th, the day of the recording. Uh, and I put a link here in the show. It's basically a five-minute fun show where we talk to creators of open source projects like Dan Abramov's in the first one, uh, and we talk about uh, basically, you know, the things that they create and what they did. And we try to make it fun and goofy and entertaining. And I think the longest show we've recorded so far is eight minutes long. So uh, in episode two, it's going to come out every Wednesday morning. And episode two comes out next Wednesday. And Ward Bell is actually going to be in that one. Nice. Awesome. All right, Shai, what are your picks? Oh, sorry. John, if you ever want to invite me, I'm always available to jump on with you. <laughs> nice. Okay, hey, <laughs> I was muted, but I really have my pick, and I want John to hear it. Okay, um, go ahead. Uh, because, as as John knows, one of my favorite movies of all time is the pencil sharpening movie. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's a doc uh, No, it's oh, I hate stars. Come on, you know. So know. No, it's a documentary <laughs> on pencil sharpening, and um, so in that in that vein. The New York Times this week has a amazing story on one of America's last pencil factories. <laughs> and I'm putting oh, it in there. My word. Uh, and <laughs> it's a beautiful photo essay. And I think it's a must. That's my pick. <laughs> wow. All righty. I want everybody who goes to NGConf this year to bring a pencil and give it to Ward. 
That is going to be the thing we do. Cute idea. I like uh, it. And unsharpened pencil. Swag. Oh no, unsharpened. I'm going to go get this custom bespoke fifty dollar <laughs> pencil sharpening kit and sharpen your pencil for you. And it, you know, just br- just bring your pencil. I'll sharpen it. <laughs> Everybody oh should bring him a nice God. pen knife. Of course, anyone would have taken those on the airplane. Code of conduct <laughs> alert. Okay. Um, All right, Shai, go so, ahead. Yeah. Okay. So I, I'll do it quick. I have three picks. Um, I, I've I've been going through a big change in my in the way I manage my time uh, lately, and uh, two things that help me a lot is first of all the book getting things done which is amazing especially for developers Wait, because you can read yeah i i <laughs> i learned how to read like three weeks ago and then i wrote <laughs> read the book <laughs> so that's Shai, an you know amazing that, um, audible doesn't count as reading right <laughs> <laughs> lisa Lisa, in, in Israel, it counts. So, uh, so getting things done, the book, uh, and another tool to implement the theory of the book is a, a, a service called Workflowy, which is an app and also like a website, uh, which is so amazing. So I transfer all of my life to Workflowy, uh, and bought their, um, like paid service. And uh, finally, I've been rewriting an old um, testing course that I did for Angular 1 uh, or AngularJS to the new Angular. Um, and on the way, I switched my Karma reporter onto a new reporter called Karma Mocha reporter, which I show in the course how to do, uh, how to replace, uh, which is like has made my testing life much more beautiful. So I will link to that as well. And those are my picks. Nice. Uh, Alyssa, what are your picks? Uh, so two picks for me. The first one, um, one of my coworkers, Jen Looper, got me hooked on this last week was Dropbox Paper. It sounds super dumb, I know, but um, I've been going back and forth trying to use different markdown editors and then also struggling with like getting commenting and it's just a beautiful combination of both. So if you um, haven't tried it, I highly suggest just playing around even with one document and you might find yourself addicted. So yeah, Dropbox paper. And then the other one is an app I'm using on my phone uh, called my fitness pal. I'm starting to like watch my macros closely on all my nutrition and it's been like a godsend for tracking all of that and all of my workouts and stuff from like, my um, Apple Watch goes straight into it. So it's like uh, super easy to, I guess, keep track and be healthier. So yeah, if you are on the hunt for an app like that, I suggest my fitness pal. And those are my two picks. Plus one for my fitness pal. I love that app. <laughs> oh yeah, you've used it? Yep. All right. Uh, I'm going to jump in here with a few picks. Um, my first pick is, uh, they're, they're both related. My wife found a coupon we were looking, we, we've cut the cord, and so we were looking at ways to get some of the shows and channels that the kids like, and uh, we found Sling, uh, Sling TV. Uh, incidentally, my next door neighbor actually works for them and architects a lot of their systems. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, it's a terrific system. <laughs> when you said cut the cord, I was like, what is he talking about? And I just, oh, I just now got it. So. Yeah. You birth. mean cable, right? Cable. No, yeah. birth. The cable. Birth. 
birth. Okay. Right, the umbilical cord. That's it. I'm with you, Sean. <laughs> that's right. I've, I've been attached to my mother for so long. Oh my god. <laughs> anyway, my. So so yeah. So uh, our our cable bill when we cut it was like 150 bucks a month or something with all the cable channels and stuff. So yeah. So oh. Sling is considerably less expensive. We got most of the channels we wanted, and uh, it's nice because um, we get a little bit more variety um, with some of the newer shows. You don't have to wait for them to come to Netflix. Um, I think we're paying like 30 bucks a month uh, for that, and then we have like Hulu and Netflix, and we're still paying a lot, like a lot, lot less than we were paying to uh, Dish Network. So I'm going to pick Sling, and anyway, she found a coupon that got us a Roku Express, and... It's funny, we have like all of the different um, set-top box kind of things. So I have a Chromecast in my office. Um, she has an Apple or an Amazon Fire TV. We have two Apple TVs, one of the old ones and one of the new ones. And so why not, right? So it, it came with the Roku Express. I put that in my office. And uh, it's a nice little gadget. I mean, if you're just looking for something simple that'll connect to all the streaming services, it works pretty good. And they're pretty inexpensive. So I'm going to pick the Roku Express as well. Uh, Austin, what are your picks? Yeah, so on the note of state management, uh, Apollo GraphQL team put out a really interesting article on the future of state management using GraphQL and essentially like emulating a client-side database that matches your server database and like synchronizing them and lots of black magic in there. But definitely check that out. And then Storybook is like been one of my like favorite libraries that's been out and it was just for React and it allows you to like write uh, basically like stories or scenarios for all your different components. But when you're building like a component library, not only do you like want these tests and stuff like that, but you need some way to like demo your components and interact with them as you write the tests and things like that and so on and so on. And Storybook uh, introduced support for Angular. They also have support for Vue.js and, of course, React as well, too, now. So it's a really cool library if you're building out component libraries or just like complex components that you want to test in isolation and things like that. Check it out. Super cool. All right. Well, thank you for coming, Austin. And thank you for all of your work on these libraries and solving these problems. Um, I'm also going to encourage people to go check out Angular Air. Uh, I know that you and Alyssa are both on there regularly. So. Woo! Um, and we'll go ahead and wrap this one up, and we will catch everyone next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.